in my perspective, there's less risk with multifamily and less risk fix and flipping multifamily or buy and hold multifamily um, because now you have instead of one renter and one scenario that could go wrong. You know, if you have a single family and they lose their job, they they can't pay rent or whatever happens. Now you have nothing coming in and you still have your full mortgage due. Where if you have a 10 unit and you even have half of your renters not pay, you still have half of your rent coming in. Everybody want to get the bag, but y'all really know what it's going to take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue gems, glad to show you it all. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Let's go. Let's go. Another episode. Another one. With the famous Stacy Conti. Such a pleasure having you on. Um, let's just hop on in it right away and let's, do it. Uh, let's hear your story. Like, whatever you want to share, whether it's real estate or just about life, how's your journey going so far? Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Very exciting. Absolutely. Um, I started my journey in real estate 10 years ago. Um, I just invested in single family homes when I would move, uh, rent out my house and instead of selling it and got a little bit experience being a landlord in that sense. Um, and then in 2019, I got divorced and kind of had to restructure everything, start over. Um, I had been following Grant Cardone for a while and followed a lot, a lot of his advice and explored multifamily and um, bought my first multifamily property after my divorce, um, a 10 unit in uh, Plant City, Florida. <laughs> and ironically, the listing agent for that property is is now my business partner oh, in my wow. flick, fix and flip business. So, so cool. we created like a she's one of my best friends. Um, she's like family to me. And and now we're in in business together. So that was really cool. Um, but from there, I started learning about leverage and financing deals and just all the opportunities that real estate can provide and the doors that it can open. And I just continued to find deals to invest in. Um, I got started in short-term rentals because a couple of the properties that I owned um, with my ex-husband, I had to refinance them and we divided everything up and refinance them, put them in my name. Well, interest rates were different. So now my mortgage and all my expenses were not even covering what the long-term tenants were paying. So I really liked the properties. They're new construction in a great little beach town and I didn't want to have to sell them. So I got creative and found um, midterm rentals and started doing midterm corporate rentals. And then I would have these gaps in between because, you know, they don't line up back to back when people are staying that long. So I had these gaps in my calendar and I said, oh, well, let me try putting it on Airbnb and seeing seeing what happens. 
So I, I put my first one up on Airbnb. I, I went and in like a weekend furnished it and cleaned it myself <laughs> and realized I'm, I definitely have to outsource. Because <laughs> 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 um, my, my, my first review was actually bad. Oh, wow. Um, so that, you know, a lot of people get discouraged by that, but sure. I, I took the constructive criticism and figured out a way to make it better. But I really liked the short-term, short-term rental game. Um, so from there, I had two others in the same community. I turned those into short-term rentals. And then when COVID hit, I was under contract for a 20 unit multifamily and the lender shut down the pipeline said we're not doing any deals um and so i lost that property um and so i had to all right on to the next what do i want to do next and i went and looked at these properties in fort myers beach that were marketed under the multifamily umbrella um but they were short-term rentals. And I was like, oh, this, this is a great little beach area. I love this concept. And I didn't end up going with one of those properties that I came to town to see, but I found another property that was under contract twice because of the COVID financing, all that craziness, fell out of contract. And I picked it up at a really great price. Um, I furnished it, turned it into a family friendly vacation rental, the ice pop in, it has ice pop murals everywhere and nice. free ice pops, gumball machine. And my kids love going there. Okay. Um, so that's kind of like the property. I really fell in love with short-term rentals because it, you, it, it was creating that experience. Um, so I, I was like, okay, this is, this is what's different. You're not just renting out your nice condo to, business people, but you're creating an experience for a family. And it, it's like, it's very addicting. Um, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So I, I do like the hospitality side of it. Um, and I like when families message that they had a great time and, you know, they created different memories that, you know, will be, be long lasting. And then I get to share those memories when I take my kids too. So I design everything to be very family friend friendly and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I love that. I want to rewind just a little bit because lot to unpack. <laughs> I was just like blown away with the pivot that you made, you know, after the divorce, you're just like, you know what, I'm going to keep on going. And then, you know, the pivot with COVID, you just, that's what DNA of a, of a real investor is, you know? Um, that's, that's what it takes to be able to be fluid and, and pivot whenever things are not going as projected, right? So kudos to you for making so many switches and, and still having tons of success. Um, I do love the idea of short-term rentals having that identity and creating that experience. That's where you really get the, the premium uh, returns on your investment, right? So um, where's your portfolio at right now? And uh, SDRs? I have 11 okay. up and running. And then I have a motel in construction. Um, it was a, um, 
it was it was it holds a motel license, but it was being operated as more of a weekly rental type transient. Um, the the previous landlord didn't put a penny into the property, so it it needed a lot. And um, I'm really excited for everything that's going on there. Um, my goal with that is to turn it into short-term rentals that I can operate in the town with the motel license um, and have it look and feel like a motel, but marketed exclusively on Airbnb and run contactless. So not having an on-site person that you traditionally go front desk, check in, get a key card. It's all going to be run remotely. Love that. How did you find that deal? It was on the market. It was on MLS. Oh, wow. Yeah. A 10 unit? What's that? It was a 10 unit? 12. 12. Yeah. Um, but it was just a scary, it wasn't, it was a scary <laughs> scenario. Yeah. You, um, you had to be in the game for 10 years to, <laughs> to take on that behemoth, right? You had to right. see the, the, the vision of it. Sure. Um, so at first glance, it's, it definitely wasn't a turnkey property. It wasn't even just a, a light rehab. Right. Um, it was a a full, uh, you know, I rewired the entire building. I replumbed the entire building. I did cash for keys. Wow. Um, it Yeah, it was. Like, I tented the, the building. Yeah. <sighs> so it needed everything. So I something I'm I'm good at is I have a high risk tolerance. So it was definitely a project that I saw, okay, this is going to be, this has a very high potential, but it's also a high risk. Um, but I felt confident that I could power through that and I have a team to support that and put all the pieces in place. So how did you finance it then? Because obviously, you know, has to be a cash deal or private money because it wasn't, you know, in a capacity to be financed. So right, right. walk us through that process. I did private money. I did a, a private lender. Um, how did I, the listing agent passed on the lead and it, it actually was a great connection. Um, I now do all of my fix and flips with the same lender. And he's, he's been fabulous. I mean, I, I brought him a deal one time on a Friday and I'm like, you got to close Monday wow. and he got it done. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. a good lender. Yeah. yeah. Keep him around. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, my bridge loan is due in July. I could extend it, but right now I'm working like full time on a cash out refi for my next step. So it's there's so many different ways that you can finance these type of properties and so many challenges because I I'll have just been opened. You know, I'm, I'm about 30 to 45 days from opening and most banks and lenders want to see a long seasoning period, like six months right. of seasoning, which is, you know, being open, having numbers, showing the bookings and the revenue, and I won't have that. And I don't want to do, I could extend my bridge loan, but I really want to lock in a long-term debt because of where the market is right now. I don't want to have a, have that up in the air, especially with my 
other properties I'll have due in the next five years. So it's a full-time, it's, it's a full-time job. I imagine. Yeah. Figuring out how to finance these deals properly and working with lenders and sifting through to find the right match. And so who's on your team helping you? Cause you mentioned that you had some, a team, you know, handling the project. So who was all involved? Um, I have my, my business partner who's project managing. Um, this is not one of our, our LLC properties, but I, I took her on as project manager. Um, and my boyfriend's doing a lot of the construction. I went through a GC and a plumber that turns out what did work on my property for three months and actually had no license wow. was not a real plumber. Um, so I, I've just learned so, so many things, um, along the way that you wouldn't even imagine think that you needed to learn. Um, so I, it definitely construction is not my side. It's Betsy, my, my partner's side. And I've, accelerated my learning curve a lot with this this project for sure yeah normal single family flip now you're just like oh that's like a piece of cake yeah <laughs> that's basically turnkey now yeah, I was like, yeah, that's, nothing. <laughs> that's funny so you have that going on um what what else what other fun endeavors are you dabbling in um well i have three kids so i'm I've, I've had them actually full time the last year. So, you know, everything that a mother does, all of the sports, my kids are five, seven and nine. So, um, another full job. Yeah. Full -time job. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but I've, one of my goals as a mom is to incorporate them into my business and what I do because I grew up with two parents that were college graduates, nurse, engineer. I didn't know anything about owning your own business or using leverage. You know, my parents paid for everything with cash because you didn't want to have a credit card bill. And they were just very conservative and, you know, financially stable, but conservative. They didn't have any real estate investments. And um, I never really knew that you, I, I kind of just always thought you were like born an entrepreneur or you were like born to be a college graduate and work a nine to five. And I, I just never thought of my life anything different than go to college, graduate, get a job and work at that job. Like I never knew there was another option. Um, so I want to like show my kids all of the options. So if they want to go to college and be a teacher or they want to go to college and go be a doctor or they want to not go to college and work a trade or be an investor or start up their own restaurant or business. I want them to know all the options and, you know, be able to make those decisions because they have all the information. Oh, cool. So how did you become an entrepreneur then being raised by parents who were in the, you know, the nine to five corporate engineer and nurse? What what made you go down a different path? Um, 
my ex-husband was very successful and we lived in a community with basically all entrepreneurs and being around those people and, you know, just going to the clubhouse and having dinner with them and their family and, you know, their kids hanging out. I'm like, these people are no different. You know, they're, you know, a lot of times like it's like a celebrity. You think like there's some magic around them and then you meet them and you're like, oh, you're just a regular person that is right. an actor um, or a regular person that's a doctor. And, you know, I, I also just retired from my corporate job where I, I was in medical sales. I worked with doctors and, you know, that was another thing. I was like, doctors are just people that went to medical school and they're very smart and save lives and do amazing things. But at the end of the day, they don't have a magical power. They're just a person that works hard and knows a lot about what they need to know a lot about. And so just kind of realizing that and learning that it made me say, well, I, I could do that too. You know, there's, I never knew I could, um, but why can't I? Well, all these other people I'm around are, are doing it. And it just kind of opened my eyes to that it's possible. So congratulations on, you know, resigning from your W2. That's absolutely a huge, huge That's step. Big. That's amazing. Um, how long ago was that? Last week. Oh my wow. God. <laughs> Let's go. Fresh on the Tuesday. press. Let's go. Tuesday. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I want to unpack that just a little bit. Like, so did you have a, like it all mapped out? Like, were you trying to reach X amount of rentals or X, X amount of income before you made the plunge of chunking up the deuces? Like, how did you get to that point? Well, I felt like I was kind of, I had gone back and forth with it for a while because I was juggling everything. So, you know, I was working my W2 job. I was growing my short-term rental business. I have property management on my long-term rentals. I was able to manage my role in the fix and flip business, but it really got to a place where I felt like I had to make the decision. Do I want to invest more in myself or do I want to continue to have more of that feeling of security with, with the W2 job, you know, getting car, health insurance, phone, all of these ancillary benefits outside the pay, which is really good in medical sales. Um, and I was able to, to juggle both of them. So I had both of the incomes. So whenever I was going to take the next step, I would be, losing income and, you know, not immediately making that back. Um, but I felt like the time was right. And my W2 job, um, I had my annual review and they're like, yeah, we're not giving you any raise. Um, and ironically at the time I was ranked number one sales rep in the country out of 275. Wow. And yes. it's the, we're seeing the most inflation we've ever seen. And to me, it was just like a sign that, it was the push I needed um, because I know I'm worth at least a cost of living raise. And if they're not seeing that, then we're not on the same page. It's a good way to look at it too. That's my favorite part of being a, a business owner, right? You're in control. So you mentioned that people weren't appreciative of your results, right? So you're number one 
and you get zero raise. But as soon as you have control and you own the company, you make the rules. And so that's the biggest, I think, advantage of, of being a business owner and running your own your own show. And just the freedom. I mean, you have three kids. Yeah. I, I'm so excited for you guys to be, spend so spend much more time. Yeah. time. Yeah. My I kids mean, are like, oh, I can we could take the bus home now. And, you know, it's <laughs> like little things. But as a as a mom and a single mom, you know, working so much and, you know, everything my kids have been through, it's you have a lot of mom guilt. And am I working too much? Am I not working enough? Am yeah. I, you know, Am I going to miss something at school? And so I, it's definitely the, the right move. How did you juggle it all? So going back to when you were still working, how are you managing, you know, all of these different time commitments? I think that's like my superpower as an individual. I, you know, I'm smart, but I'm not the smartest. You know, I'm I'm social, but I'm not the most social. I'm, you know, I'm not like, the best at math or the best at, you know, underwriting. But I feel like I have a very wide bandwidth of what I can take on and process and juggle and in my mind, you know, file it. And um, I'm very good at time management. So I, I would have a long drive time with my W2. I drive over to Lakeland Bartow and instead of using that drive time to call a friend and gossip or chit chat. I would call lenders. I would call, you know, wholesalers. I would call, you know, the city, research the short-term rental rules. You know, I would, I would use that time to maximize. So it wasn't taking away from my W2 job because it, it wasn't, I wasn't missing meetings because of it, but I, I just, was able to maximize the drive time in different areas and efficiency. Yeah. 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 Incredible. Really maximizing it. I mean, my inspiring. Man, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. My man, Aiden is still in it. Yeah. He's still in the W two, but he's on his way for sure. So on my way, <laughs> you know, you mentioned a lot of the, a lot of the reasons why I'm still in it. Right. So you have the health insurance, you have the security, the good pay, but you also mentioned the reason why I'm not a fan of it, which is no control. You know, I mean, you can be performing and then your company says, hey, you know, sorry, but we're, we don't have any budget for your role. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, at what point are you going to go and, and create your own path? And so I'm kind of in that that in between stage. And I and I use the same strategy as you in terms of, you know, when I'm at work, I'm listening to educational videos, listening to a podcast yeah. and. You know, if I'm driving somewhere, I always have, you know, bigger pockets on and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of soaking up real pockets. estate. <laughs> right. And and so to your point, it's really about kind of using your W2 to kind of leapfrog into your your next step and your yeah. next journey. So, yeah, I love it. So you and I, I'm going to take another pivot like you and I off camera, off offline. We we talked a little bit about giving back and philanthropy. And you said you had something kind of special that you're working on or already been working on with single mothers. Do you want to maybe touch on that and kind of share with what, what you're going on? Yeah, well, it's I, on? it's not officially in the works, um, but it's something I want to do. And when you when I saw your comments, I was like, oh, wow, that's I've that's, that's been a, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I have a, 
a, a lady who babysits for me, kind of, you know, helps, uh, you know, around my house. She's not a citizen of the U.S., so she can't really find a traditional job. Um, so her situation is just kind of unique. And she was going through a really hard time in her marriage with her kids. And she didn't know what direction things were going in. And she was like, oh, I just like wish I could like just have a getaway and get away from it all. And I was like, well, why don't you just go stay at one of my Airbnbs? You know, because she knows I I do the Airbnbs and stuff. And she was like, like, it was like so touching, like her response to that, because mm. it was. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's like for something for for me, it's a couple of days, you know, yeah. it's like no big deal. But it like meant the world to her that she could kind of just go and clear her mind. And incredible. Yeah. And I was like. You know, the, we have this opportunity because we're fortunate and, you know, successful business people that we can. It's something that's very small, but it could mean a lot to someone else. So when you said the families, I was like, I was I relate to single moms because I went through a, a bad, you know. Divorce, domestic violence, everything. So I that has a special place in my heart. Um, so that's why I. For me, I would like to do it in, in the form of like single moms going through hard times, but I don't know how that looks like, how that structure it. But if you do, let's figure it out. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is amazing. I'd be down to help for sure. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one thing to just have all the money, right? But once, once you get to the top and what do you, how do you find happiness? What do you do with it after that? You know? Yeah. So I don't want to wait until I have all the money. I want to start planning right now and, and making an impact during the journey. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you hear the cliche saying like, enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think we should be giving back during the journey too. Yeah. You know? So, so kudos to you again. That is, that's awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. JB is great about giving back. He's always uh, always at the meetups, always on the on the show, giving gems and, and really just helping people. And so both of you guys are inspiring for sure, at Aww. least to me. Appreciate it, brother. Thank <laughs> you. So um, let's talk about maybe outside of real estate and business, you know, so you, you are a single mother, you're juggling so much. How do you find sense of clarity and peace? Um, like, you know, what's your getaway? You know, you, you're helping other people out and find their getaway. How do you, how does Stacy relax and enjoy her time when she's not juggling everything? Yeah. Which seems like never. Right. Cause you're yeah. always, yeah. you're always working. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I do all of the, the work and the busyness is in a way like comforting. I feel like I have a, a purpose and um, empowered working and running my business. Um, church is another like area. I find a lot of peace. Um, even, you know, I try to go to church at least 
every week as best we can. Um, and then at night, like with, with my kids, we pray together. Um, so that is, I feel like even though it's like small durations of time, it's impactful time. Um, and one of my goals actually with retiring from corporate is to do like a full spa day once a month just to relax and work on myself and take that downtime because what what we do in real estate like is very stressful. Um, sometimes I don't you just get so used to it that you don't realize how stressful it is until you're talking to someone that's not in the real estate world <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, I just, you just had to install four new AC units over the weekend. And, yeah. you know, we we have two closings this week. We're trying to line up. we got to get the units installed. It's got to pass inspection. we got to close on that so we can use the money to then close on the next property. And it's, you know, these are big deals and a lot of money on the line. And um, it's very stressful. So I'm like, this is, I need to do it for myself is just take a day where I can go and have a spa day and I'll probably end up listening to <laughs> books on tape and things like that. But there you go. <laughs> it'll be like my time to just kind of rejuvenate and focus on myself, my goals, time to reflect. Um, there's a lot, you know, I, a lot of people in real estate and on social media, like always talk about all of the positives. And I think what I where I can bring the most value to people is by sharing the things that went wrong because yeah, that you had a flipped a house and made all this money and bought a multifamily and raised rents and made all this money, but it's not that easy. You know, there's, that's the potential, but there's a lot of work behind the scenes that goes into that. And a lot that at least in every deal I've done that, goes wrong and things you have to pivot and navigate through and be resilient with. And, um, I think that's where there's a lot of value because, you know, if I, if I just thought everything should go smooth and then you run into all these hiccups, I would feel like a failure instead of feeling like this is just part of the process. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. We learn from all of the mistakes. That's, that's where the growth is. So, I feel like I almost don't learn too much when I'm successful, right? Because it went, it went well. I'm not really thinking back on, you yeah. know, what, what was going on. But then when something goes wrong, you kind of step back and you're like, whoa, you know, what should I do differently next time? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and it's important to experience that. So you don't have this like false sense of security, right? Oh, cool. Like I, this is replicatable and I can continue right. to do this without mistakes. But yeah, there's yeah. a lot of moving parts and it is very stressful at times. I can only imagine uh, some of the stuff that you're going through because you're taking yeah. on massive projects. So, yeah, very, yeah, very our, true. Um, we have a, a four unit fix and flip and the appraiser flagged our, um, we had window units and then baseboard heaters and the appraiser of all people flagged it and said, I'm not approving the appraisal because this is not up to code because the, 
the way the baseboard heaters, they are not hardwired. They were, I guess, essentially a plug-in. And we went to the city and we're like, does this meet code? The city's like, we don't care. This is fine. Um, but the appraiser will not pass our appraisal without hardwired. So we went with mini splits. So that's what we, we all weekend. The mini splits were getting installed and electrical ran. And now we're trying to get that inspected, have the appraiser come back out and inspect it. But long story short, I didn't know that appraisers even had that ability. So I didn't know either. Yeah. News to me. Yeah. So it's big learning. I thought that was more of like curve. the inspector's role. Right. right? right. Why does it, why does we, an appraiser care about four point? Right. Yeah. Right. Cause like insurance should care. Right. But why is the appraiser caring about the type of electrical work yeah. done in your, in your property? I think there's a lot of everyone right now is feeling a lot of pressure in real estate yeah. and everyone wants to make sure that they're dotting their I's and crossing their T's. And I'm sure she's doing her job the way she feels like it needs to be done to protect her license and protect her company. Um, so it's, Definitely learned something this week. <laughs> Times of uncertainty right now. Couldn't agree more. What do you think gave you the confidence to do a deal like that? You know, because people do single families, maybe a duplex, maybe a triplex. But where do you think that that next step is, right? Um, well, I did a single. My first flip ever was a single family in Windermere. Um, I guess it would be considered more of like a high end flip. And I basically broke even on that one because of my holding costs. Um, and so again, I, I was like, okay, well, some people pay for coaching. Some people pay for classes. You know, I just got a really great lesson and I broke even. So, okay. Um, but I, I, I looked, okay, what, what went wrong here? And it was my holding costs. So, I wasn't, I didn't have it rented out. I wasn't collecting any rent and it sat on the market for a long time. It probably wasn't marketed the best. I used a friend as a, you know, the listing agent originally. Um, and so when I went into business with my now partner, we decided that we we're going to only do multifamily, so small multifamily, duplex, triplex, quadplex. And the rationale being that we can collect rent at least on some of the units while we rehab place renters and we would always be having money coming in while rehabbing and then we would sell and market to investors as our end buyer and we were able to this this buyer is getting like close to a 20 percent cash on cash return like it's a it's a amazing killer a killer wow. property in lakeland so you know there's a huge demand for for rent especially at affordable rates and it's a really really cool project and the before and after is <laughs> is is really amazing awesome yeah. i bet that's awesome yeah there's there's certainly you know levels from going from like two, three, four units to the next level of 10 units, 12 units. I think, you know, 
where did that mindset come from? Was it the experience with the two to four units that you've had success with, you know, that you had before you wanted to move over into 10 units plus? Because that's, that's a scary good. feat, you know, like. And some people never do it. Yeah, they it, never graduate from single family. Yeah. So right? like that's, that's I, I feel like there's a there's a true barrier of entry or a level, if you will. Right. That you have to like almost pass to feel comfortable to move on to that next level. So I guess it's all all perception. And, you know, I mentioned I listened to a lot of Grant Cardone, but if you own a single family or you own a 10 unit, your process and your work for the most part is very similar. So you're just replicating the process and replicating what you're doing now just on, you know, it's like owning one single family or 10 single family you're doing the same thing just over and over. So in my perspective, there's less risk with multifamily and less risk fix and flipping multifamily or buy and hold multifamily um, because now you have, instead of one renter and one scenario that could go wrong, you know, if you have a single family and they lose their job, they, they can't pay rent or whatever happens, now you have nothing coming in and you still have your full mortgage due where if you have a 10 unit and you even have half of your renters not pay, you still have half of your rent coming in. Um, so the way I see it is there's less risk in multifamily because you, you could still cover a lot of your expenses with only a portion of your units being rented out. Um, and from the fix and flip side, we see it as an opportunity to we like working with investors and you know that's inspiring to us so selling to an investor a lot of the investors are like first time investors um but also if the market ever turned and we needed to hold these properties they're also great properties to hold because as multifamily they're cash flowing really well i bet i mean it makes a lot of sense to me you know you hit it on the head, you know, like if one property does do bad, you're, you're stuck with that one single family Yeah. that, you know, you have this problem in it, or, um, you, you had the wrong projections for whatever reason. Right. But, um, that same scenario, you have nine other properties that are performing well, you know, yeah. to get you out of that, that uh, predicament. Yeah. So, very so cool. you're in both the short-term rental game and the long-term rental game mm -hmm. pros and cons of each. So they're, they're pretty different, at least from my perspective, my long-term rentals. Um, I, I, my business partner is my property manager on them. I, I don't get, I, I'm, I, I know my strengths and weaknesses and it's not in managing long-term rentals. Um, now the short-term rental side is more of what I enjoy, more of what I'm good at. Um, so I self-manage those and I enjoy it. I like going in and the whole process from finding the property, identifying it, seeing my vision, executing my vision, um, and then listing it, dealing with the, with the guests. Um, I like that whole process. Um, there's definitely more upside 
financially on short-term rental rentals. Um, for example, uh, I acquired a property last February in Indian Rocks Beach, four unit block from the, the water and each unit was being rented out for 1100. It was just recently updated inside. It was a adorable property, um, but all long-term leases, 1100. Um, and there was just small tweaks that needed to be done. And when I walked in, I'm like, I, I could see the changes <laughs> that I would make. And, and I, like, I, I saw the vision and, um, the property at the time didn't even appraise. I had to cover, this was like before the market, you know, before mm. the bidding wars and everything. Um, so I, I was like, oh, I, I know what it could do. Like I, so I covered the, the gap and I actually did a cash out refi less than a year later and it appraised for significantly more, um, with those just small small tweaks and like the design and the setup of, of the property. Um, but I'm, I'm making close to eight to 10 times what I was with long-term. Wow. Yeah. Now that's, it's unique cause it's a beach, you know? So if it was inland, there wouldn't be that much upside, but there's definitely, if you can find these little, pockets of areas, there's a huge potential for short-term rentals. I wanted to ask about, and, and feel free to not want to talk about this, but the private money play that, you know, you said you found through your now partner, right? How big of an impact is your growth, growth attributed to that private money lender? I guess, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to be doing a lot of the fix and flips and that deal I may or may not have been able to close on. I, I typically don't ever give up. So if they said no, I would have, <laughs> I would have just continued. Um, <laughs> but the biggest thing with, with that lender in particular is they don't require an appraisal. Um, so on a lot of these wholesale deals, you have to act quick. Otherwise there's a line of actual cash buyers. So you get to play in the cash buyer space with leverage and that's a game changer. Um, so this lender in particular without requiring an appraisal really allows us to act like a true cash buyer because we don't, there's really nothing holding us back from closing. Um, so it just opens the door to more opportunities and putting in offers that are more likely to be accepted and just being more aggressive. Yeah. I mean, that's why I asked because we've heard countless times, um, you know, once you have a good private money lender on your team, it is a game changer. Mm -hmm. It really sets the bar really high and you can be as aggressive as you want, you know, and lock up these deals because not everyone has that, that uh, opportunity and that privilege, right? Yeah. You can only go so far with your own money too, right? Doing your own deals and using your own financing. So it comes to a point where if you wanna scale, you gotta start leveraging other people's time, other people's money. Mm -hmm. And so those two factors we've seen to be a trend in anyone that's really successful out here. Yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine that you probably have another 
advantage uh, when looking at multifamily and hotels, motels, right? Because you can convert them into STR versus your traditional, you know, investor is probably going to look at, you know, normal long-term rents, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, that's why this motel was on the market and sitting. Yeah. Um, because if, if you went to tour it, 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 it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, I was like, I don't think we're ever going to be able to get this place in vacant, vacant to, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, we needed to, t the first thing we did was tent it. Um, it was, it was sadly not a habitable place to even rent. Um, although it was, um, so, you know, that's kind of where my, my partner came in and she, that's her strength is she talked to all these renters. She called, we, you know, we called up all the other motels in the area and found places for them to go. We, we paid for, you know, their first couple of weeks, gave them money, um, and a cash for keys to help them with the transition. And we had the whole place vacant. I think it was a week after closing. Like it was wow. lightning speed. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> So what about your partner? Did you see, like, was it right away? You're like, oh my gosh, we work so well in tandem. Was she the missing link to all of your, you know, things that you're good at? Like, how did that come about? Because I think having private money and then having a good partner, that's, that's all the team that you really need. Yeah. Um, well, the, the first multifamily deal, she was the listing agent. Um, so I had my agent as the buyer and, um, you know, I, the first time I went to see the property, she was in there and she had bought it with her partner at the time as a fix and flip multifamily. So she was, you know, turning the units and I just saw her in there working, getting stuff done. And I was like, wow, like. Another woman boss. Yeah. And like, <laughs> but, but things I, I, I know nothing about. So I was like so impressed. Um, and the way she handled the, the sale and the transition, she was very fair and ethical. And, you know, even after we closed, if there were some loose ends not, not tied up and she made sure everything was taken care of and you know, she didn't have to at the time. Um, so uh, I, I attempted to self-manage at first and very quickly realized that was not my strength. Um, and so I called her up and I was like, oh. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so she property managed for me for over a year and, you know, we just kind of got to know each other and build a level of trust and became friends. Um, and, you know, we're very similar in the sense that we love what we do. We love real estate. We love talking about real estate. We are hard workers. You know, we'd be on the phone talking about our properties till one in the morning. And um, but then our our differences are that she's loves the construction side of things. And she is. um she can work with like the facilitate the 
the construction side and work with like the construction people where I don't know what I'm talking about. And that's very apparent. And, you know, it's easier to take advantage of someone who doesn't know what they're talking about than someone who does. Um, and, you know, she doesn't like the lending side and doesn't like going out and talking to lenders all day and finding the right financing deals. Um, so it was like our our opposites align, you know, and they create kind of the whole everything's covered. Awesome. How important do you think that is like being opposites, right? So kind of being good at different things. Is that what you're looking for in a partnership? A hundred percent. Like if we were both good at the same thing, there'd be a huge gap. Right. Um, you know, we our business is named Sugar and Spice Developments. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. I'm the sugar and she's the spice. <laughs> and when, you know, we play good cop, bad cop when, when needed. And it's a, it's a good mix. You know, so some people get along great with her and they don't like me. And some people like me and they don't like her and that's fine. We don't care. Um, it's just however we need to get it done. <laughs> sugar and spice taking over the world. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so going back to our earlier conversation, why did you pick real estate, right? So you kind of learned that you didn't want to go down the nine to five corporate America route, but there's so many options out there. So, so why real estate? I saw the different opportunities and the doors that it could open long-term. Um, so there's a lot of businesses that you could open and operate and it can provide probably a greater return on investment immediately. Um, but I like the long-term play and the whole picture of real estate, um, the tax strategy involved, which I'm still probably everyone's still learning about. You, I don't know if you could totally master that. Um, and just the appreciation over time, having it be a legacy for my children, um, the opportunities to incorporate my children in the business. You know, I take them to my properties um, for a variety of reasons. I They've lived a very privileged life and I want them to see that that's not the way everyone gets to live. And I want them to know the other side of things and um, be exposed to all of that. And then I also want them to know a strong work ethic. So like they come and they help and they are, you know, they're put to work in the capacity that they can handle. Um, and then I want them to see me working and I, I want them to be inspired by what I do um, and show them the different opportunities, you know, that are available outside of just like the, the typical college route. Um, so just kind of everything aligned to real estate. Inspiring. Very, yeah. I mean, you've impressed me multiple times just oh. through this this podcast, but I mean, you, you are tenacious, you are super strong, and like, yeah, you're raising three hell of amazing kids. Like, you know, oh, I'm excited sorry. for you guys. Thank you. Yeah, no, truthfully. Um, if you If you weren't doing real estate, what would you be doing? Assuming that you wouldn't be in medical sales. Like if you could choose any job on the planet, what would you choose? Oh, wow. Good question. 
Um, well, I actually, I, I have another business. Um, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I, so I, I sell luxury handbags on Instagram. Um, I actually started in the fashion resale when I was pregnant on maternity leave. Cause I was, I needed to be doing something. And right. I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, I had newborn baby at home and I'm like, Oh, I mean, put my clothes on eBay. Um, and it turned into, I, I found a niche at the time it was selling like Victoria's secret pink, um, clothes. They were really trendy at the time. And I was able to scale that on Facebook and eBay and, um, was it two year and a half ago, two years ago? Um, I had bought this, what I thought was gorgeous Gucci bag. Um, <laughs> and I went to show my sisters and it was like this big B with all the gemstones on it. I'm pretty flashy. And my sisters were like, that is the ugliest bag I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, what? Really? I'm like, I love it. And they're like, no, that's hideous. And I was like, oh, I just bought it. Let me just see what it's worth. And I was like, oh, I got a good deal on it. Let me let me just see, you know, the business person in me is always like, well, everything's for sale at the right, right price. Right. So Flip everything. I put it up and immediately it sold. And I was like, wow. oh, wow. Um, and I was like, oh, there's a Gucci outlet in town. And so I went and bought a couple things, put them up, sold. And it just kind of took off from there. Um, so I, I, I do that on Instagram. Now I flip designer handbags um, flip nation, and I, I, I love like flipping stuff and, you know, <laughs> but I also love, I'm a girl. I love yeah. fashion. I love clothes and purses. Um, so, you, you know, if I have a, some downtime, yeah. I'll go and shopping, but working at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, hobby that I turned into a business. Best of both worlds. For real. That's funny. I love that. Cause that could be an expensive hobby if you yeah. weren't turning it into yeah. a business. Yeah. So, nice. So you're involved in a lot of different types of real estate. What's your favorite asset class of, of all the different types that you're involved with? Um, I like my, my beach properties, short-term rentals. Um, for a lot of reasons, I, the beach, there's limited beaches. You can't build more, you can't develop more real estate around most beach areas because they're already developed. So there's just a, there's always going to be that supply and demand. So I feel like buying in those areas as a long-term play, you're insulated from the market ups and downs. Um, there's always a demand for people to go to the beach, even if you're, you know, even when COVID hit COVID, yep. my beach properties, people were still going, going to even from just in town because, you know, everyone wanted to just get a little getaway. Um, if the market turns, I feel like instead of going on fancy international trips, people just, you know, go to the beach. Um, so there's always going to be a demand for the beach and it's also just, you know, nice to be able to go there too when the properties are open. So it serves a lot of purposes. 
personal component to it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What would your advice be for someone just getting started in the real estate game? Don't rush. Um, I think a lot of people, when they decide they want to get into real estate, they're like, and, and I get like this too, like if I sell a property and I need to buy an ex, I need to buy something, I need to buy something. Um, and the ability to act quickly, but waiting for the right property, waiting for the right opportunity, um, especially in today's market where everything just skyrocketed in price. I think for myself, when I look at short-term rentals, I always underwrite conservatively as long-term rental as a backup, whether that's because the economy, you know, people can't travel or um, something like COVID happens, like always having the backup plan as a long-term rental, you know, regulations changing. There's so many things that could potentially happen. So underwriting very conservatively, but when you do find a property acting quick and being aggressive to get it, but don't just rush into buying a property because you want to get started in Airbnb and um, overpay for something or not find the right situation. Love it. Great and advice. I say that because I'm I'm very impatient. So like <laughs> I always have to take a step back and go, okay, we need to make sure this is the right property. And you do all your due diligence and um it's not just because you're eager. Or you pull a JB and buy twelve in, in the first year. <laughs> well, they could have all be the right ones. I mean, they are all the right ones. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Seem good so far. So far, so good. Um, the blue gem of the show. One more thing. I, I was just curious. Um, if, if there's a bunch of wholesalers and agents that are out there listening to this podcast, what are you looking to purchase right now? Like, what's your buy box? You want to, you know, plug that in real quick and maybe some people can funnel you some deals. Yeah, um, that would be awesome. Um <laughs> I love the motel conversion. So small properties that could be boutique motels, um, any properties for fix and flips that are two to four units, um, any multifamily larger that need rehabs. So is this all in Florida or are you? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Just in Florida. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm only, I, I only buy in Florida really excluding the panhandle um doesn't really feel like florida <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say that yeah it's funny how are you marketing are you doing any direct to seller or anything right now like how are you getting your deals um through mostly wholesalers through wholesalers. yeah okay. yeah awesome last thing that you want to leave with the audience it can be anything, any type of advice or wisdom or experience that you've had in life in general or in real estate that you just want to share with the audience? Um, I think I want people to know that like, it's very, it's possible. Um, especially as like a woman or a single mom, um, a lot of times we feel like we don't fit the box of a real estate investor or, you know, it's overwhelming to think of how to even get started. Um, 
So I mean, I'm, I'm always like, I always love talking to other women or people that are just trying to get started in real estate to share my story and, um, share the mistakes I've made and kind of cut the learning curve. And like, this is the shortcut. Um, so I think just knowing that it's like, there's no, like you don't, it's, it's, there's no magic, like anyone can do it. You don't need any type of formal education. Um, you don't, if you partner with the right people, you don't need any money. Um, there's just a lot of opportunities in real estate. If you're willing to be resilient and work hard and, um, be a sponge to all the, the learnings. Um, but there's, there's no barrier. Like you can't just go out tomorrow and be like, Hey, I want to be a doctor. You got to go through a whole bunch of school and you For do sure. have to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into education. But the barrier to entry in real estate is, is very low. Um, so I, I love to see like other women and single moms have success um, and kind of break the mold of, of what the typical real estate investor people think of. Um, so I, I just hope to like connect with more people breaking into the industry and share ways that they can make it happen. It's so funny too, because like statistically it makes more sense for women to be investors because like statistically you, women make better decisions than men. You know, uh, like they ran a study from like, what would the wife do versus the husband do in this scenario of an invest investment? And they ran this study over and over again with multiple, you know, hundreds of couples, right? And the women outperform the men from an investment decision standpoint over and over and over again. Oh, wow. Yeah. So That's cool. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. You, women are, you know, detail oriented and tenacious. You, you can... You know, deliver a baby, right? We that's that takes incredible power, right? Yeah. So um it does make sense. So I would love to see more women enter the the space as well. And you know, you're a true testament that anyone can have success. Um, you know, so you're an inspiration to so many people. And I can't wait for this Aww. episode to to drop out and and you know, I think couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think everyone's gonna be knocking down your door and asking for advice and Right. And uh, just, uh, you know, inspiring to so many people. Aww. Thank you so much for yeah, coming on. Really Thank you for having inspiring. me. Sure. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.